Some things just make you feel comfortable, like shopping at Vons. From the butcher block to the bakery and everywhere in between, Vons is fresher with more organic products, more smiles, and low prices on the brands you trust. For a delicious dinner, shop with your club card and get USDA Choice Beef Tri-Tip Roast Untrimmed Boneless for just $3.99 a pound. And for a crisp, sweet snack, pick up large Envy Apples for only $1.49 a pound with your club card. Vons. Fact is, it's just better. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 16 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker, and I'm having a blast doing this show. And I'm so, so glad that uh, everybody else seems to be enjoying it as well. Uh, at least the feedback I've been getting seems to be pretty positive. Uh, today's show is a really great show because my guest is Steve Braun. Steve is an acting teacher here at a very well-known studio called BGB Studios. It's the Bramon Garcia Braun Studios. And he is the Braun of uh, Bramon Garcia Braun. So I wanted to sit down with him because he is a dad. He's actually the first dad we're going to have, we're having on the Motherhood in Hollywood. And I wanted to hear his perspective of how he um, was an actor for many, many years and then decided to transition into teaching and how he sort of found his calling and found himself a little bit more through that life change. It's a pretty interesting story. And also he has some really great information for actors and, um, you know, we di- we dive a little bit into acting techniques and um, all of that good stuff. I have very strong opinions about acting techniques, but I feel like kind of a a little bit of a phony if I ever like try to talk to somebody about it because I, you know, while I did go to school at Oklahoma State and got a theater degree there, I didn't graduate with a theater degree. I didn't go to Juilliard. I didn't go to the Tisch School for Performing Arts or wherever the kids go um, to get their, you know, mastery of performing arts. I, um, I actually stopped following my, uh, acting, lessons I guess or you know I dropped out of acting classes basically halfway through my uh, my college career and went into journalism so for me um, even though I kind of found my way back into this career and back into Hollywood in sort of a roundabout way it uh, I always feel like I'm I don't know somehow not as good or not good enough whenever I talk to people who have like a master's in theater or you know I've been studying it their whole lives um, but you know, and then I'm reminded, uh, it's not true. Everybody's good enough. Everybody's got a place out here. We all have a place in this industry. Sometimes <clears throat> it's just a little harder to carve out. And sometimes maybe you have to carve it out yourself, which is what I'm doing with motherhood in Hollywood. Hey, did you see that? Did you see how I kind of brought it all around? Uh, so yeah, it's a great show today. I'm very excited to talk to Steve. I want to mention a couple of things. First of all, um, I am doing motherhood in Hollywood all on my own and all of the time that I'm put into it and all of the effort and I've put into it, um, is I'm not getting paid for it basically is what I'm saying. So, um, I created an Amazon e-store in the hopes that if anybody, um, wants to go online and buy something, uh, or, you know, make a purchase of any of the things that I've selected through my website, then I get a portion of that and it might help. Uh, it will definitely help defray some of the costs here for motherhood in Hollywood. So if you can, uh, or if you're interested, you can go to motherhoodhollywood.com and check out my e-store. Also, uh, I had the great opportunity this past week to review a new product. It's a coloring mural for a company called Lulu Bee. And, um, I have put that on my website as well. You'll be interested to hear some things I have to say about that. It actually was a lot of fun. Channing and I had a great time coloring with it. And the full review can be found at motherhoodandhollywood.com slash the inside scoop. So you want to go there. That will be where I'm putting a lot of the reviews, um, on products I've tried or things I've tested or, you know, companies have been so gracious and reaching out to me and asking me to, to check out their stuff. And I'm more than happy to do that. So, 
Um, I will put all of the information there and kind of what Channing and I thought about these things uh, at motherhoodandhollywood.com slash the inside scoop. Get it? Because it's Hollywood. I'm kind of, I'm giving you like an inside scoop and shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's happening. Um, really quick, I want to say thank you so much to everybody who is following me on Facebook, uh, Jamie Jackson. Hey, what's up, girl? How you doing? Thanks for following me on Facebook. And um, over on, I, that was everybody. I said I want to thank everybody, but really that was just one person. And also over on Instagram. Instagram is blowing up, you guys. Uh, the Little Artistry Party, Clover and Birch, and Kittypedia. What a cute name. Thank you guys for following me and retweeting and, and liking all the pictures we're putting on Instagram. You can find Motherhood in Hollywood on Instagram and Facebook and on the web at motherhoodandhollywood.com. And also, I'm on the Twitter at MIH Podcast. And um, yeah, I mean, I try not to be too annoying with the Twitter, but usually it's just stuff that kind of pops in my brain randomly um, throughout the day. And I also, uh, that's where you can get information about my guests and shows and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I think that's all I wanted to tell you guys. I still don't have a name for this part. The Mommy Monologue, maybe? Somebody suggested that. That's a fun name. Um, the Mom Actor Monologue, but it's also a mouthful. Oh, I'm very excited. Stay tuned to the next couple of weeks um, because I have a big announcement coming up. Uh, we're doing something really fun in December. So you want to make sure that you are, um, checking, listening to the show and checking the website for that information. Good times are coming. Uh, so that's about it, everybody. I'm going to, uh, clear my throat and then I'm going to, um, get right into the interview with Steve Braun used to be my acting teacher and, um, such a sweet man, great father. And I know you guys are really going to love all the things he has to share. Here's Steve. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know you're very busy here at the studio. It's my pleasure. Thank you for coming here. And, um, first of all, let's just start from the beginning, like all good stories. Um, you're from Canada, right? I am, yes. Do people say A to you a lot? No. <laughs> Sorry. Never. I mean, it, it's one of those things I think that's become uh, stereotypical. It's it's uh, it's the parody of the parody or whatever, but uh, we say it as much as you say, hey, you know, that's pretty good, hey, you know? Yeah. But I think inherent in it, and it's something deeper, is the notion that uh, I'm not going to commit to what I've just said. I, I need your validation and your engagement before I agree it's pretty cold, eh? Like, I don't want to commit to, to that statement, so yeah. I need to... It's like some Kato Kalin stuff. You so, know, like, that, here in the, the U.S., talk. it would be more like, um, is this okay, right? Or, yeah? All of that, yes, All definitely. But I, but I think just generally in terms of the culture, there's, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're quick to, uh, to apologize uh, generally as a culture, you know? So it comes from that, not wanting to commit to a statement, which once you come down here, you have to beat out of yourself or else you get trampled. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Especially like in New York and all this stuff, right? right? You do not want to be non-committal. Right. Or an actor. Or an actor, right. <laughs> um, so you, uh, when did you start acting? When did you start performing? I, well, performing, those are two different questions. I started as a musician. Um, I didn't have the guts to be a lead singer, although I loved singing. Yeah, so yeah. I played drums in a band for uh, for many years and studied oh, drums and percussion, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I started when I was maybe 10 or so. Um, and guitar around the same time. And, and uh, you know, um, <laughs> I, I paid my way through, or at least bought my books for, uh, for, for my early university years by uh, uh, singing at bar mitzvahs and uh, oh, funny. Um, weddings and that sort of thing. So started off there. Does that pay well, bar mitzvahs? I don't know. No, no. I mean, you get a couple hundred bucks for a night, which, is, which I guess what, is pretty for, good. Yeah, yeah, for like, what, were you a teenager? Yeah, yeah I was 19, good. 18, 19, oh, somewhere around there. So. I would take it. I would take that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you sing? No. Yeah. Abba Nagila, something like that? Nothing. No. I got nothing. See, okay. even my voice right now, I'm like, <clears throat> it's cracking. Right. Um, so you started off performing, you were doing the drums, right. and then right. you did you get bit by an acting bug? Or did that sort of come about in college? You know, what's interesting is I, because I, there wasn't really a theater program anywhere near me, and certainly being an actor or living that, uh, you know, choosing that as your life um, wasn't an option at all. Um, but a friend of mine decided that he'd make a movie just out of just out of the blue, uh, and he thought that the the theatricality of me being a singer and a musician would translate. So uh, he um, just after I graduated high school, he made this movie and. I remember being, the very first scene I ever shot was I was sitting 
in a bathroom stall. And even that notion of crossing those lines of being in a place that's filthy. But I was, you know, there was something just so great about that. And it felt like uh, I could breathe for the first time. I could be who I was. Oh, I love especially that. Especially coming from a culture that was a little bit conservative when it came to emotional expression, getting back to the A. Um, and, and you know, my, my family background and all that sort of stuff prevented some of that. So as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Right. You know, there's humanity here. Now, when you were my teacher, um, you mentioned a little bit about that, about the sort of um, closed off from your feelings, especially for men. Right. Was that something that was unique, you think, to your family or to the Canada of uh, culture? or I think culture? all of it. I mean, uh, um any deep-rooted culture, I think, who's gone through some trauma uh, has uh, elements of emotional expression that, um, or th- there's some difficulty with that sometimes, and it makes sense, you know? Uh, in terms of where I come from, I- I'm a Mennonite background, which is not like buggies and, and no electricity, but... <laughs> Are but, you sure? Uh, <laughs> I feel like I saw a movie once where... Could be. I don't know. What um, was that movie that Harrison Ford was in? Was it The Verdict? Yeah. yeah, I think One of those so. Things, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he was like a. Men- I think he was a Mennonite. Well, uh, there's the Hutterites, there's the Mennonites, there's the old Mennonites. For us, like you know, we, oh, wow. it's all sort of normal, you know, except yeah. we're pacifists and all that kind okay. of stuff, or at least you know, culturally, um, among other things. But um, so, but in that there there is uh, there's there's a reserve, you know. So that culturally, um, my grandmother grew up, uh, you know, in an abusive home. Um, and so she has that added to, there's that through line. And I see it even in me, that anxiety comes from, you have to take the temperature of the room because any slight shift is going to create some sort of issue. So, so you have to hold back your feelings, you know, um, that and Canada being a, a place of, uh, you know, good manners and, 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 uh, civilized behavior. So is it because it's cold because <laughs> everyone's just like, yes. just don't start any problems we're freezing let's all just go home (laughs) so where I grew up there's like these weather warnings where exposed skin freezes in two minutes like it's minus 40 minus 50 with the windshield it's like living in space you know like you have to oh my god that sounds horrible you have to plug your car in so the engine block doesn't freeze overnight yeah it's but it's a particular type of culture. I mean, you stay indoors and play music, you yeah. know, because you and have ho- to. And watch hockey. And watch hockey, Yeah. Of and you're a big hockey fan? Or? I am, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can see some elements of that in my office right a little here. Bit. Yes. Go a little Jets. Bit. Um, wait, so you don't root for the Kings? <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. My daughter, who's 17 months, um, she uh, grows up in Los Angeles. You know, mm-hmm. she lives here. She's in a town where they've won the Stanley Cup two of the last three years. But she will be uh, a devoted fan of the Winnipeg Jets who have never and will never um, win anything. So <laughs> At least you're, you're embracing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. She will be, uh, she will be a hockey loser. Oh, yeah. dear. Well, see, yeah. I went to, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma, and right. my um, college is Oklahoma State. And if I could count the number of times that they have, like, gotten me on the edge of my seat and then just dropped me off into like the ravine of tears yeah. um it's so heartbreaking because we come so close they call us choklahoma state oh that's so sad it's so sad oh. we get so You're close losers. we're oh. our losers <laughs> i get that so yeah. we, yeah. occasionally we win though and it's like <laughs> oh my gosh right. you know it's the best feeling in the world but yeah i, I feel that when you're on the losing side of the team and it becomes a mindset like at a certain point like we'll be up by five goals but every winnipeg jet fan knows that we're going to screw this up at some point yes you know? that's it it's in the back of your mind it's a matter like, of time when is it happening when are we going to choke and then it's almost like this is so messed up it's almost like when they do lose it's it makes us feel better because it's a validation of what we believe to be true yeah right. well all is right with the world <laughs> we knew it was going to happen we just got embarrassed it's just a yeah, matter of time. that's what it is oh my gosh that's so funny yeah um, so, uh, how did you then transition down here to LA? Cause you did, how long were you in, um, Canada before you, well, your whole life, obviously. But. Yeah. I think I, I <laughs> left for Los Angeles when I was maybe 20, 22 or something. So I, like right I, after college? Yeah. I just graduated from the university of Toronto and I went to the U of T, um, because I had some notions of, I, I don't know whether it was music or what, but I wanted something else in the entertainment industry. You know, So I, I studied philosophy there, which was nowhere near uh, that world of entertainment, but no. uh, um, or the arts, and, and, and yet in many ways it is. But, but uh, um, And I, I got an agent there. I just started doing some commercials and stuff because a friend of mine had an agent. And, um, and then it was rather out of the blue that uh, they were casting for um, Star Wars Episode Two for Anakin, and I happened to look like the kid from the first one. So, yeah. um, 
so that uh, took me to New York and then to Los Angeles, that process. Oh, wow. Um, and How was that? Were you intimidated at all? Or were you like, well, oh, it's just another audition? And... Yeah, I mean, I don't think so I got young. ever. I don't got, I didn't get close, mm-hmm. you know. I right. was sort of uh, But still just the idea of, of even being considered in something of the realm of like Star, a Star Wars would intimidate me yeah. very much. I think it was more exciting. I don't think I had the sense to be intimidated at yeah. that point. I really didn't know. Yeah. Know, so... Um, but it, it was a pivotal moment. I remember being in the subway station in Toronto and thinking, okay, I can just go to New York uh, for this one audition, or I can, based on that one audition, I can go to Los Angeles. And so I decided to to not take that bus trip back to Toronto, but to go on to Los Angeles. So it was more just going on this adventure sure. um, rather than thinking that, oh, my God, I'm up against whoever I was up against. Right, and, right. Um, so that took me down to Los Angeles. In the meantime, I, when I got to L.A., I, I booked a TV series fairly early that shot back up in Vancouver. So I got back uh, sent back up there. Oh, isn't that ironic? Yeah. You come to L.A. to, to book a show that right. films uh, back up in Canada. What show was, was, was that? The Immortal? It was The Immortal. You, yeah. You've done your homework. You, you're I digging have. deep. You wow. know, I'm... <laughs> Literally ones of people saw that show. Yeah. Here's the deal. Whenever I do this show, I actually do a lot of research on everybody that I interview. Because uh, I yeah. never just want to be like, hey, what's up, buddy? Right. Um, Because that's a little... That's just not me. And my background in journalism won't allow me to do that. Right. In Act 4 of Episode (laughs) 2, you said something that really struck me. (laughs) But then I also get the impression sometimes the people I'm interviewing are a little freaked out because I know so much. It's sort of stalkerish, particularly (laughs) that show, which nobody's seen. It is. I don't mean for it to be, but I'm just (laughs) sort of like... I know everything about right, you. Right. Um, <laughs> but then again, I don't, which is why I'm here asking questions. Right. Um, but so yes, it was The Immortal. The Immortal. And yes. you did that um, fairly quickly, and it was what, two seasons? Just one season. Just yeah. one season? Uh, we were, uh, yes, it's a, it's a longer story. We were supposed to go for a second season, and then it didn't happen. Uh, and it was my introduction into the was business. Was it like a no, sci fi? It was, yeah, sci fi mm-hmm. fantasy sort of deal. Um, but uh, it was a, a great education in terms of the business and yeah. what people say uh, may or may not be actualized and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Now, here's what I remember is one day in class, or I don't know, maybe it wasn't in class where we were just chatting, but yeah. you mentioned that it didn't end up being um, what you thought it was going to be. When you booked a series regular, right. it wasn't as fulfilling um, as you thought it would be. Like, the thing that most actors are striving for is... is I want to be the series regular. I want to be the lead in a feature film. And then once you get it, for some people, it's like, oh, this is hard work. I'm getting up at five in the morning or four in the morning or whatever it might be. I'm staying up all night and I'm exhausted and I'm not, you know, it, it's not meeting those needs. Why Why did it not meet what you were looking for? Was that the show you were referring to when you say that? Or? Yeah. Yeah, and, and and another show that I got later on too, and, and it's funny. I just had this conversation with uh, with a client of mine who's coming off uh, the first season of a show. And, um, I would venture to say that everybody, who, whoever they are, any actor who books a TV series and gets you know into it, uh, it's not what they thought it would be. And it goes back to this, and it was getting a little bit weird. This Buddhist notion of ignorance, and uh, it's not being stupid. It's seeing things as they are not. And so many people in their quest for that validation of the show, whatever it is, um, think that it's one thing. And, and they pin all of this stuff, their happiness, like all, once I cross that threshold, it just, it's all, you know, rainbows and every, everything's terrific. Um, and it's not the case because life, you know, is life. And Do you think it's the money that people, that's driving people to, for that, um, sort of perfect scenario in your head because you know when you're making 10 15,000 whatever it is yeah. for you know a, a newer actor yeah. um an episode that's a lot of money and I think there's maybe an idea that that will make everything better right. and that it will make some of the negative things more bearable sure and, and I think um that it does mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? sure I mean there's a recent study that said that, <laughs> that up to 70 grand mm-hmm. money can affect you know um your happiness you can buy certain things you can now beyond seventy grand, whether it's thirty billion or a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. it doesn't change your happiness all that much. But yes, yeah, certain uh, things are wow. This I is don't know. I want to know where. <laughs> I want to know where that article is. Right. There's a big uh, lead between seventy Harvard, grand, but, but uh, thirty but, billion. Yeah. No, I, I and and I, I mean I I think that uh, yeah the the point is well taken that that uh, money is something that we all. Uh, you know, it, we can solve some of those problems, and it, and it takes up so much room in your brain that God, I got to pay this, I got to do that, I gotta, you know. Um, but the interesting thing is, when you take that engine away, what are you left with? You know, why are you doing this? I also think part of it is the validation. You know, it's for so many people, it's a 
it's a race to get to a certain place or it's a battle, it's a struggle and it makes it all worthwhile. You get to go home, you know, the hero's journey and say, hey, everybody, I'm on TV and Uncle What's-His-Name goes, wow, good for you. You know, you really did it, kid. Good job. You know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's that so, validation right. from others. But it's all fleeting. The money, yeah. I mean, you cut the money in half. for mm-hmm. So you get a number. Oh, my God. This is, we're, we're there. You mm-hmm. know, I'm in that tax bracket forever. You cut <clears> it in <throat> half for agent, manager, lawyer, mm-hmm. taxes. And then you don't work the next year, the work, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a decent amount, but yeah. it's uh, it's not as much as you think. And you have not reached the promised land. You know, and, and it's, it's a hell of a thing to say. Like, yeah, no, no, you got to do it for the right reasons. You right. know, like you right. shouldn't, as if it's, it's saying you shouldn't want to make money Money to get a paycheck and and that's not the case but you have to deal with the truth of the fact that this business is fleeting and it's it's in love with you and then it's not like one week to the next one day to the next so you're going to have to get right with the truth of that and figure out your money perhaps outside of it um the way that that i find in the studio lisa and me that we find work like what works for people is what sustains them over a career is finding the joy in this and it sounds all after school special but it's the <laughs> truth that like you have to love this if you're showing up to the, uh, these auditions pissed <clears throat> off and thinking like ugh this sucks they're just gonna find some you know they're gonna get a name and this is gonna be awful and I'm gonna be embarrassed um, it's not gonna work for you you're gonna take the real estate exam so, so you have to figure out a way to, to <laughs> fall in love with this consistently and I think that's about doing it mm-hmm. and so many people come here and their their minds are spinning and they're hustling but but perhaps not in the right ways like i don't think and this is a it's a point of contention i don't think doing you know 50 casting director workshops in six months is necessarily a career plan mm-hmm. um what if it's all somebody has though like i know you guys say a lot do the yeah. work that's a very big motivational thing that's happening yeah. right now in the industry do the work get out there do it sure. but what if all somebody has is you know they can't get in a play or they don't have time to commit to you know other things what if all they has is like a casting director workshop or you know a class and that sort of thing does that count towards doing the work do you think um, it does but but i i don't think and again just dealing with the reality of it, what it takes to book this stuff and as much as like it's happening like just outside our door there's like casting happens and what i see works for people are the people who are in the process of it all the time um so that so they are doing a play and they are finding the time to do what they love and if your life doesn't allow for that then that's that's fine your life doesn't allow for that you are where you are i mean Mm -hmm. you know you know this being a parent me too it's a struggle finding any time for yourself let alone i'm going to take three months and do a play right right um but all the same, in, in a fairly consistent way, in as much as you can't really pinpoint what works and what doesn't, you know, every single time, um, it's the people who are in and of it and, a, and creating their own work, writing their own stuff, shooting their own stuff, and doing, po- I think doing podcasts helps, like just mm-hmm. staying active and engaged with people yeah. so that you're not just sitting and waiting for the phone to ring um, and, and the totality of your emotional expression or, or your artistic expression is a casting director workshop every week is not tied up in just you know focusing solely on casting I think that some actors sometimes get um not to sound like I'm some sort of guru on actors but like I know I was at a point where I was like I have to go to casting director workshops in order for them to notice me so if my agent submits me they'll be like oh I remember this girl from two years ago when she did this 30 second scene that that has not really ever panned out for me (laughs) but I mean and it does for some people yeah and and that's cool I mean like be di- you got to be discerning about which ones you do and don't just do them to do them and and if you're going to show up and do them mm-hmm. kick ass like show yeah. up with a scene that that you are going to knock out of the park and not just oh this is this rote thing that I do cuz I'm working towards my career and yeah it's another workshop yeah. like, be discerning and go in there and and bring it you know um easier said than done but all the same uh, just so it doesn't turn into some routine um but but I mean, if like again, it, like it, in some of these scenes, even it's not a full extension of your artistic ability. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it, it's it limits you. So um, you want to be working out, you know, that times fifty. Uh, and and I believe that if you're a self starter and you have to be, that you can create those opportunities for yourself. And it, it's it, you know, uh, ex- exercising artistic leadership as opposed to waiting for. Oh, I didn't get cast in this or that. Did. Mm-hmm. You know, all of it means that I'm waiting for someone else to give me permission. Um, you know, you raise up 300 bucks, you can put on a play. You know? Right. And that is a big part of the reason why I started this podcast is because I realized after I had Channing that I was just sort of sitting around, you know, only focusing on her 100%, which is okay to a point. 
to a point. But I think I needed, uh, I know I needed to find some other creative outlet for myself and I needed to find something that would allow me to stay home sure. still and um, care for her in the way that I needed to, but also have a creative outlet to reach out to the other creative types and right. like do something where I wasn't just, you know, talking about potty training and, you know, sleep issues and all that stuff all the time. So that's why I started the podcast. And yeah. it's been great so yeah, yeah. far. I mean, like, everybody's been so lovely and supportive. And yeah. um, so that's that's a big reason why I did this. And there's um, just, I think that when you do something like that and commit to something like that, mm -hmm. there's a shift of, like, it being, like, your, your life is sort of narrow. And again, like, it has to because your focus sure, is Channing. And sure. you take care. But at a certain point, even for Channing, I'd say, because I'm dealing this with my daughter and my right. wife right now, um, we're having we're hitting walls and, and realizing oh wait a minute we have to open up and make sure that we're we'll caring for ourselves else. as yeah. well and yeah. it's that constant there's a balance. guilt though for parents oh, there's a guilt because you feel like this is my world you know our kids are our world and you don't want to seem like you're being selfish right. um, but it took me a long time to Im allow myself to embrace who I was before I was Channing's mom did right. you find that you had that too I'm jumping ahead in my story I want to go back in a minute whatever but you want to do like look I, I every I, time I walk out the door mm -hmm. I feel guilt <laughs> the, the the work life balance for me is very difficult I come from a place where my father left and so there's all of that stuff that yeah. I wait a minute am I that guy like am I that guy who's just you know at work all the time and, um, and you know if I'm doing the math on the hours you know I'm I feel really great about the, the time that I'm with her, mm -hmm. but then the trick is not, as I'm sure you know, it's not the time, it's are you present when you're present. You right, know? right. Are you so, on your phone the whole time, yeah. or are you checking email, or whatever the case may be. Um, your daughter is so beautiful, by the <laughs> She's way. She's a good kid. Thank She's you. adorable. I want to ask you about that, though. Yeah. If Does it bother you when people say your your daughter is beautiful? doesn't bother me. Because uh, okay. I know you have very strong I feminist do, do. leanings, and I, I totally want to yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> it's such a tricky thing, because... She's the most beautiful creature in the world to 100%, me. One hundred percent, My favorite yeah. face ever, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but at the same time, uh, <clears throat> I I don't want to limit her. I, as as a young girl, mm -hmm. that that is the metric. That oh, she's cute, you know. Because um, I think for boys that changes. Mm -hmm. uh, they're cute, and then all of a sudden they're tough, or they're curious, or they're this, or they're what. Oh, you're interested in science, aren't you? you know. Right. Uh, and for girls, that that metric can stay there mm -hmm. uh, to their detriment. I think so. So I, I'm I'm trying not to be. A total dick about it, you know, because people are just being I was sweet. Yeah, you know? yeah, I was wondering, like, because some parents are like, "Please don't tell my child they're beautiful. Yeah. Please I, don't say my daughter is cute." Right. And I want to be like, "Oh, okay, what?" <laughs> you know, like she's hideous, and tell her that she hideous. is ugly. <laughs> she's <laughs> never gonna be anything. Um, no, it's tr there is a there is a strong movement in that way to yeah. avoid telling girls that they're pretty. As a mom of a little girl. I don't so have cute. a <laughs> thank you very much. I, I personally don't have a problem with it because I know at home and you know with our other family members we're also reinforcing how yeah. smart she is and yeah. reading and like you know the sciences and all, love of nature and all of that stuff. Right. So it doesn't bother me because I know she's getting it elsewhere. If she was like out in the modeling industry or something and people were constantly telling my two-year-old that she's gorgeous she's gonna be a star right. you know then oh, maybe but and i think some of it too is like that's that's uh it's it's imposing our stuff on them sure right, right. <laughs> which there's a certain amount of that you have to do because we live yeah. in a world where our daughters right now if they were in the job market you know they're not but right. they'd make less money if they were old enough to work right. you know than, than men so there's all that stuff there but uh yeah, I think the, the balanced approach is always the way to go. And it's so tough to do. You yeah. Know, to, to find Where do your feminist always. leanings come from? And also, it's very unusual, I think, to have a man who's such a strong feminist. See, uh, and that that doesn't compute with me all that much. Like, all the statistics suggest that if women in a culture are doing well and there's equality, then that economy does well, the culture does well. Like, that's so, but, but it, it comes from. Um, being raised by strong women and, and women who uh, were marginalized at various times, either through abuse uh, or emotional or otherwise. Uh, so it's it's that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, the notion that uh, my mother, for instance, would have few opportunities. My mother's badass. You know, she's really <laughs> strong uh, and really smart. And so, uh, and all the women <clears throat> in my family are like that. Mm -hmm. So the notion that there's some other parallel thing that suggests that they're not just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me right and i think it, it does men a disservice it does everyone a disservice uh and i don't th i mean it's it, the issues even you know talk about domestic abuse 
um, victimized, mostly you know perpetrated against women. Um, but it's a male issue, you know, mm-hmm. as much as it is a, 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 a issue with women. So I, I don't see that it's one person's issue or another. It's equality, you know. And do you think that because you have such a strong perspective in that way, do you think you're raising your daughter differently because of it, or are you consciously, like you said, you're like, I'm not, try- I don't want to be a dick. But are you consciously then trying not to impose those ideals on her? Like if you had a very strong religious belief, yeah. you know, it's sort of that sort of that kind of same thing. Do you find that you're making conscious choices to not raise her that way? Um, or maybe you are. Again, it's a balance. Like, you know, I pick mm-hmm. my battles. Like, but if every story that we come out, <laughs> you know, that, that, that comes out that, that she reads, that she pulls out of her bookshelf, is he did this and he did that, I'm going to switch it, you know, just, sure. I'm going to say she, just because, um, and, and again, I think the, the pendulum swings so far in the direction of, of men that if we pull it back just a little bit, I don't, I don't think it's imposing some sort of, she's going to hate men or whatever else, you know, right, so, right. uh, but I think it's about picking battles and finding, generally finding the humanity in it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, yeah, uh, no, as totally. opposed to picking a side. Yeah. And does your wife, um, agree with you on that? Are you guys pretty much in agreement on this parenting style for like feminist things and you know yeah i think we're both on the same page uh you know just to be um uh, a dick I'll, I'll say stuff like uh you know baba black sheep have you any wool yes ma'am yes ma'am three but you know one for the <laughs> mistress and one for dick. the dame. no no, no but like yeah. so so my wife will sing that song to her and that's the uh-huh. song you know yeah, yes yeah, sir yeah. yes sir three. and and i'll just just to you know but i think i, I enjoy playing that role sure. in life <laughs> sure no totally i i think that's fantastic so i want to back up just a little bit and find out how you transitioned from um, being on the Immortals <laughs> <laughs> and um, Harold and Kumar right. go to White Castle, which mm-hmm. makes me laugh. Really, okay. um, <laughs> how did you transition from that um, to the acting studio here to BGB? Yeah. Um, I'm sure there was a, a little bit more of a leap there than just now. I'm, I'm doing Harold and Kumar. Now I'm going to do this. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there was a general dissatisfaction with uh, my acting career always. I worked, you know, in the scheme of things, it's all relative, but fairly consistently for 10 years or so. Um, but, you know, getting it up for auditions, and I, I never found that easy. And, and I wasn't the type of person, maybe because I didn't come from this foundation, that, uh, like a theater background or whatever mm-hmm. else, that would, oh, I'm not working, I'll just go do some play in some black box theater or whatever, right. you know. Um, uh, you know, I was a f- I, I was interested in film and TV and that meaning, but it, I think it was always something more for me. It was more about emotional communication and and, uh, and finding that human connection with people. So it was a more general thing other, rather than I need to act all the time. So, um, you know, I've been training acting for a long, long time. I started teaching maybe around 2005, just one-offs here or there with people. Um, and then the writer's strike happened in 2007. So everything shut down. Mm-hmm. It shut down in anticipation of it, then during, and then there was a lot of, you know, so and it was everyone years else. to recover. Right. Some say we haven't even fully recovered from it. Right, and oh. things have changed so dramatically that, yeah. uh, you know, so. So, um, so I uh, um, stepped away and ended up volunteering for the Obama camp, the first Obama campaign for a year and a half or so mm-hmm. uh, here and in Nevada. And it was so interesting because I, I ended up, uh, I went to the first training outside of Chicago, um, and they were telling me stuff about acting about how to, you know, get the message of the campaign across was not about telling some company line, but offering your emotional truth of why you're supporting then-Senator Obama. Who is telling you that? The campaign? The campaign. So this guy called Marshall Gans, who Mm -hmm. uh, is this brilliant guy, and uh, he writes a lot of books about community organizing. He teaches at the Kennedy School at Harvard, and he was, uh, uh, you know, played a a part in the civil rights movement. And so, really, it's like person-to-person human connection crafting your story of self you know, I mean there's just elements of stuff that I was teaching people already and, and he knew that you were an actor and so he came to you so it was it was, like it was a it was a, a group of us so group. it was okay. it, it was it was a workshop almost okay so he didn't know me sure know, sure sure but he but sort of like as a uh, a catch-all for all the actors he was like here's how you can share your story so it wasn't to actors it was to, to people who were going to work on the campaign oh, oh, it was I a see. training for the campaign okay. yeah. so and uh, uh and it blew my mind that there were practical applications to all this stuff you yeah. know so um, so I started integrating some of that stuff into uh, my teaching and thinking about teaching more. Um, and around that time, it was, I was I got back to training martial arts uh, in a different way, meditation and tai chi, as opposed to um, kicking and screaming and you know that sort of stuff. Um, so there was a shift in me, and, and 
uh, I started doing corporate training as well and uh, uh, using elements of acting teaching um, Buddhist principle martial arts and mm. the campaign training all that together and so I did that for a few years and uh, I was still acting a little bit here and there uh, and I've, I'd known Risa for many years she built UNCSI in New York and this uh, pilot called Three Pounds um, and then we just started talking about uh, about doing a workshop together and just sort of went from there mm-hmm. uh, and then we decided to, to open up the studio, studio. Um, I want to touch on your, um, excuse me, I want to touch on what you just said about your Buddhist principles. Um, I'm so country, I say Buddhist. Is that bad? I don't think so. I think that's what it is. You can say Buddhist or Buddhist or whatever you want to say. I always feel like I'm I'm being a little bit of a poser if I say Buddhist because that's my country showing it. We say Buddha. That's fine. (laughs) I think that's I, Don't either judge way. Me, Steve. You know, either way, I'm not judging at all. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, I want to know, like, how you got into all of that because your office, your lifestyle, the way you teach, everything is it, that is immediately clear to me that you have this um, deeper calm and this deeper presence. I noticed that right away as a teacher, you were very chill. You don't, you were not yelling at anybody. I've been in classes before where the teachers are like, no, 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 or they're spraying you with squirt water bottles and like wow. yeah it's That's awful it's very strange to me i've been um, in some of those classes so. yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sure we know <laughs> um but uh I, I it's interesting to me how your technique and your style did it grow out of your meditation and out of your um buddhist training and all of that um tell me about that well first of all uh, are you gonna say buddhist like that are buddhist <laughs> No that's, that's fine. no, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. However you want to say it's fine. It's totally fine. Oh, fine. what a dick. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't feel calm. Uh, it's funny you say that. Really? Don't you don't? Oh, wow. There's a lot. Uh, there's yeah. There's I have a lot of anxiety. I'm an ang- like. There's a lot of anger. Really? I'm, I'm managing all that stuff a yeah. lot. Um, and the interesting thing about and I'm sure you know this too about um, raising a kid is it brings all that stuff up. I mean, it's just oh, a totally yeah. different challenge to oh. manage it all, to process it, to um, so, so there's that. And I think that's what drove me to, uh, the practice of Buddhism. And for me, it's like, I, I, I feel like a poser calling myself a Buddhist. I, uh, uh, I'm, Why? well, cause it, it's, uh, it, it's a practice. It came to me through martial arts. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, I know some people for whom, you know, this is the lifestyle and mm-hmm. they're monks and they live in monasteries and, mm-hmm. uh, and they're so great you don't teachers. Think and... You could be a real Buddhist if you're not... <laughs> It's uh, in a monastery. I don't. I don't know what a real Buddhist is. Okay. But, but for, for me, it's you know, um, and I have an aversion. I think just coming from, um, you know, a, a background, a Western background of Christianity, and we we mm-hmm. know what's been done in the name of religions. And I have an aversion to religion in the first place. For me, it's a practice, and it's really pragmatic. It's just it's the practical stuff of how do I deal with the fact that I have anxiety and anger and dissatisfaction with life mm-hmm. as it relates to my acting teaching uh i was that guy for a couple years maybe more that would of, yell and be more aggressive with not students. would squirt people with guns but <laughs> but but um or throw things at students yeah not i um but who would engage in a really emotional way because it's mm-hmm. it, you know the work is charged sometimes that would engage with them in that and mm-hmm. so be really passionate about yeah. that and if they were holding back, take it personally, and need them to get there because it's fucking important, and mm-hmm. this is the work, you know, all that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I realized that that doesn't get people where they need to be, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, there's some people who, uh, that's where they are, and people have um, walls for reasons, you know? So me screaming at them and knocking down the walls, uh, you know, by screaming at them, is the stuff of my ego, it's not the stuff of them. And so that's not that's not acting training that they can walk away with and take mm-hmm. with them and actually create change in their lives which is what we're doing so you, know? you don't so what is your feeling on on like um acting techniques like the method you know and stuff like that where people do like really immerse themselves into the emotional um uh trauma of whatever it is that they're you know performing or you know the drugs the sex you know, whatever it might be sure does that sort of then go against kind of your philosophy for teaching well it doesn't or do you and think there's so, a place for that there's absolutely a place for that, and, and um, let me also say that there's a time to push. So, I mean, it's very much like like chess or like martial arts or sparring mm-hmm. or business. Or, there's a time for action and a time for stillness. Mm-hmm. And so if I see a moment when me pushing will uh, elicit uh, uh, a change from within, I will push and I will come hard. 
um, because I believe that's in the interest of the actor. And I don't always win that battle, but it's it's an ego fight, and that's what I'm uh, fighting against as a teacher. That's my journey is to try to limit the ego and, and do what I can to help actors. Um, but you know, in 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 Buddhism, it's it, as well. It's not that every moment is calm, and but it's right. about managing the fact that the first noble truth of Buddhism is that life is suffering, that bad shit's going to happen, mm-hmm. the storm's going to come. Mm-hmm. So. In, in the interest of reflecting that as an actor, f- reflecting the universe, um, you're going to have to feel that storm. And so, yeah, there are moments when there's big anger and big sadness, and you get to explore that and how wonderful. Um, and, and, and But then there's there's got to be a proportional amount of finding the calm and taking good care of yourself as a human being uh, so that you can come back and do that again, you know. Uh, but, you know, people are on their own path, actors, and whatever, whatever you need to do to explore whatever you need to explore, that's fine. Um, there's a line between you, uh, you know, uh, shooting up heroin in your life and, um, <laughs> yeah. in the interest of your art, but that's up to you, you know, you yeah. find out what works for you and what doesn't. So. Um, I'm so disappointed no one has asked me to shoot up heroin yet, because yeah. I would try it. You I'm just going to put work. that out there, for the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would write try it. it. Um, it. Anyway, yeah, I would say I, I write my own part. Right. I would do like my own nurse Jackie, you know, with like a, a, pro, a drug problem. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, I noticed um, <clears throat> when uh, when I was in your class, we did a lot of Meisner technique. Mm-hmm. So I have very specific feelings about the Meisner technique. Yeah. I don't know if I just, and I'm going to reveal maybe too much about myself here. I don't know if I feel like I connect to that technique particularly. Yeah. Maybe it just doesn't work for for me, the repetition, um, but I know it works for some people. Yeah. I just don't know what am I what am I missing about <laughs> the Meisner technique? Yeah. I guess ultimately is is what I want to know because you 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 like that technique, right? Well, it's uh, I do, and mm-hmm. and uh, um, for me it, it works. Uh, it works, okay. and I think that's the big thing. Okay, and every creature is different, yeah, and so. Uh, you're coming to this place with uh, a history and experiences, and uh, even if it is that you were in a Meisner class once and somebody screamed at you and was a total jerk, to, or what, whatever <laughs> right, the right. thing is, or, or the specifics of the techniques of, e- of each exercise, mm-hmm. so it doesn't work for you, fine. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that that needs to be seen as, you know, you're missing anything. Or you yeah. just that that's not where you're at. Because I always fine. feel like I'm not doing it right, yeah. or maybe I'm just overthinking it. Um, Almost every acting class I've had has done some sort of miser, and yeah. for me, I start to kind of internalize it and go, "Well, it's because I didn't grow up studying theater. You know, maybe I was. It's because I didn't. I wasn't on Broadway at twelve right. or whatever, and um, I just don't get it. Yeah. Kind of a sure, thing. Sure. And I start to really anal- analyze it, get in my head, and then I'm like, "Well, it just doesn't work for me, yeah. and I want to try something else." And, and if it, I mean, that's the opposite uh, effect that you want. If it's going right. to put you in your head and right. make you beat yourself up and right. just be another way that uh, that you know you turn up the dial on shame and self consciousness. Right. I, but I want to be. I would love to be good at it. I would love to be um, to find something because I find that when I go out on audition, sometimes I. Um, <clears throat> I don't often have the tool belt that I need or like the tools to be able to pull out mm. on a last minute audition or something like that to be effective or be competitive with people who've been doing it for 20, 30 years. I mean, I've been only doing acting um, professionally for about eight years. Yeah. And, you know, I know there's a lot of actors out there who the reason why they take acting classes and they do plays and things like that is because they want to get better. I mean, I hope that's why they're doing it. Right. Um, and be more comfortable in their skin in an audition, but also in the performance itself, whether sure. you're on set or on stage or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and um, I feel like I can walk into an audition room and be confident and do well. And then I go on the set and I'm like, Bleh. you know, like I, I feel why like a phony. What's different, do you think? Um, I don't know. Maybe because of the competition side of the audition, I'm right. very highly motivated when something is competitive. Yeah. Like I can, I, I also have taken a ton of audition classes mm-hmm. where I know exactly what beats to hit. Where, if it's a comedy, I know where they want it to be funny and yeah, you know yeah. where to wait and let someone else be funny. But um, on set, there's like this um, insecurity that creeps in mm-hmm. because I don't get to do it every day. I do yeah. it maybe once every couple of months if I'm lucky. Right. And if you only got to come to your job once every couple of months, sure. you certainly wouldn't feel very confident going in. Um, and then also nobody on set gives you direction in a class. Like, you know, you tell us, um, 
uh, try it this way or you know what are you thinking when you're doing this like there's a there's a process they don't do that on a television sh- right. uh, set I mean and I, and I think that's what what working really consistently does is mm-hmm. it, it gives you uh, artistic aware self-awareness mm-hmm. you know this is who I am as an actor and comfort right. in that so you get to you get to know yourself you get friendly with yourself because you've done it you've been through right. experiences with yourself and, and it, that duality is interesting because I think when you are in the thing and, and you've let go, you know, you are outside of yourself. You are just engaging an instinct, and mm-hmm. so you're not necessarily in control. So to have the confidence in, in, the, in your talent, um, that, that translates to when you're on set, when no one's giving you direction. Right. And again, in that, you can exercise artistic leadership and perhaps have a better sense of, well, if they're not saying anything, then it's fine. Because yeah. no one's no messing around here, and no, no one's yeah. doing you any favors, and right. just not saying she's awful, but don't tell her. That's you know? my fear. That's your fear <laughs> right. as an actor is that they're sitting there going, "Oh my god, who hired this chick? She is horrible," right. you know. And it's it's uh, because you don't have any friends on set. You're just there maybe for a day, or if you're lucky, a guest a guest star for a few days or something, and then you go home and nobody says anything, you know. And they probably don't say anything because. They're busy, but also there because was no issue. they're yeah, yeah certainly because I mean it's always been my experience that no one, when it comes down to it, because everyone's job is on the line, no one's mm-hmm. really going to accept you know really bad work and not say anything. They're going right. to try to figure this out somehow yeah, yeah. so that they don't look bad. Everyone's worried about their own jobs, but 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 yeah, most people are just worried about their own experience. I think two actors were such sensitive creatures that it's nice to hear somebody say good job, you know. Yeah. Um, that's something I struggle with too with my daughter is that there's a, there are a lot of studies that say, oh, you shouldn't just blindly say good job on mm-hmm. things. You shouldn't right. just pat them on the back and just give them a reward right. um, because it doesn't um, tell them why they're doing a good job. Right. Like, you know, that's and, a pretty right. painting instead of saying, oh, you used a lot of orange and blue. It's and, the Carol Dweck stuff, the, the uh-huh. mind, mindset of yes. like you, you're mm-hmm. – you're, you're, uh, um, patting them on the back and saying that that talent is fixed and you have it, so congratulations. And yeah. if you don't, don't even try. That yeah. sort of thing. Um, <laughs> do you find yourself with your daughter? Um, uh, do you think she's going to have any uh, artistic leanings? Like, do you want her to go into the showbiz uh, here in Hollywood? We are in Hollywood. People ask me constantly, right. "Are you gonna? Is Shannon gonna be in modeling? Is she gonna be an actor?" And I'm sure. like, oh, I don't know. You think about that, right? Because you think. Uh, it's an you think of the child stars sure. who, who mm-hmm. and you think you and me who got into this mm-hmm. relative to you know the mm-hmm. person who grew up here or right. um, you know, we did it on purpose one of the Fanning <laughs> sisters or something who like right, who was right. born into this thing mm-hmm. uh, and yeah it'll be available I mean daddy works at an acting studio mm-hmm. work with actors every day mm-hmm. um, maybe there'll be some interest there I don't know I mean we love music too, and that's what we like. We go to Guitar Center every weekend, sometimes twice. Oh, that's so cute. We just play drums, and like she likes all that stuff. I wanted to have uh, uh, a bunch of really clear outlets for her emotional life, mm-hmm. and if you know her first seventeen months or any uh, indication, she's a really emotional kid. She's got big, big feelings. Which oh my is gosh! Great. So does Channing. So great! It's congratulations. It's know. good, but <laughs> yeah. also sometimes right. makes me curl up in a ball and want to cry myself. Of course. Do you? Are you guys? And you don't have to admit if you want to, but are you doing any, dealing with any tantrums and like any outbursts yeah. and stuff like it's, that? It's just starting now. Ooh. Um, and yeah, about 17 months. That's yeah. when sh- that chant started about 15, 16 months. So it's, you know, uh, yeah. up, up, up. Okay. No, 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 up, up, up. And then it's on the floor and it's that. Yeah. You know, not too, too many of them. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's, you know, she's not breaking stuff yet, but <laughs> she's got big feelings. I mean, I, I hope, and this is one of those things that I know I will take back in four months when something else comes up and I mm-hmm. think I have it locked down and I you know, this is my assessment right. of what's happening with my daughter. But, um, uh, you know, for the most part now, my wife and I are pretty good at feelings. Feelings are my business, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I deal with yeah. people all the time with tantrums right. um, in a wonderful way. <laughs> so uh, we're pretty good at identifying them. And, okay. you know. uh, but yeah, man, when you want to get something done and it's just... Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in control and they're you know they're having their moment they're having their moment it all stops yeah that's a struggle i have with um whenever we're trying to uh change the environment leave to go somewhere or leave she's having a great time at preschool right now this is a big one is Uh, every day every time i go pick her up at preschool it's 
meltdown city and I know what's going to happen. So I now am trying to like come up with all of these ways to get her to know the transition from leaving yeah. is going to be fun. So pick her up at like 10 okay. p.m. now? Yeah, right. <laughs> I just call them and go, I'm going to be late. <laughs> She's fine. She wants to be there. Yeah, right. She does not want to leave. Uh, um, I mean, and again, on the one hand, that's great that she's... It's a, great. But... Yeah, and I'll uh, remind her when she's 15 and doesn't want to go to school and is like, yeah. Mom, I don't want to get out of bed. And yeah, I'm going to be yeah. like, when you were two, you loved school. Right. Um, but she just and has like... she'll say, shut up, I hate you. Yeah, I know. I oh, my God, I'm dreading that day. I know yeah. it's going to happen. I mean, and but friends of ours who have like a six-year-old, they, they were talking about how... Has it already Even happened? at five, so she's like, I don't love you and slamming the door, that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, oh my God. I am dreading that. I don't... I will probably stand strong in her face when that happens. I hope she doesn't listen to this. But then I will go and cry my eyes out. Right. Like, because you have, it's my baby. And Ugh. if she ever says that to me, I just, it would be like a knife to the heart. Ugh. So, so yes, awful. I too have a very highly emotional, deep feeling Good child. And um, uh, I won't be one of those obnoxious parents and say, it's going to get worse for you. But it might. <laughs> but it will. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it will. We have that sense. That's okay. <laughs> so things are going really well here at the studio. It seems yeah. like you guys um, have tons of classes. You also do a lot of um, philanthropic things. Did I use that word correctly? I think you did. All right. Yeah. I feel pretty proud of myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys uh, are not just an acting studio. You you do lots of things in the community as well, which I think is really great. Um, and if people want to find out more about classes, how can they do that? They can go to BrandonGarciaBron.com, mm -hmm. uh, and all the information's there. Just go to the website. And you also have a podcast that you do where people can listen. Yeah. yeah, that's just on our blog, BrandonGarciaBron.com slash blog. Slash blog. Uh, Got it. Uh, so there's that, too. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you very much it's for letting thank me you come so much and, like, uh, talk a little parenting with you of and course, a little acting. Of course, of course. It's two things that are very close to my heart, obviously. So um, I really appreciate you letting me talk to you oh, about so it and pick you. your brain um thank you so much for listening everybody if you have a chance uh go to motherhoodandhollywood.com i'm gonna post a whole bunch of information about steve and about the studio there as well as follow me on instagram at motherhood and hollywood and on twitter at mih podcast thanks for listening everybody and steve thanks again for coming on the show thank you and we'll see you guys next week bye Mama funny. balls when you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy. Without all the extra drama. I even had a gift When it comes to choosing a supermarket, why not stick to the facts? Fact is, Albertsons is just better. Nicer, fresher, faster, and friendlier. Come on in and see for yourself. For a delicious dinner this week, stop by the meat department and get fresh 80% lean ground beef, ground fresh in-store daily, just $2.99 a pound when you buy three pounds or more. And stop by produce and pick up sweet jumbo cantaloupe, two for $3. Fresher meats, sweeter produce, better deals. Albertsons. Fact is, it's just better.